What Happens When I? Episode number 10. What Happens When I Listen to Music? When I listen to music, something magical happens. When I listen to music, I feel good. When I listen to music, somehow my mood is amplified. The mood that I was in before I started listening to music then becomes stronger when I listen to music. The mood I'm in dictates what kind of music I listen to. And what happens when I listen to music depends on what mood I'm in. What happens when I listen to music depends on what kind of music I listen to. And there's a very big range. And not in the sense that there are a lot of different types of music that I listen to. There are only a handful, and yet they're very different. My moods are different from one another. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm motivated, I'm determined. I'm also nostalgic, dreamy, soft, longing, sad, lonely. I'm also playful, happy, cheeky. I'm also eternal and infinite and vast. And there's something existential about listening to instrumental music, particularly piano music. There's something very deep and opening about the piano and how it flows and how it opens up when it's just a piano or a piano trio. When I listen to music, I feel excited. When I listen to music, I don't feel very much the need to explain anything about it. When I listen to music, I never wonder how I could convey that experience to someone in words. When I listen to music, on occasions, there's an analytical mind going on. There's the music theory side of me, which is what intervals are between each notes of the melody, what time signature is the music in, what's the tempo, what are the cross rhythms, What's the phrasing? What's the instrumentation? How do they get those sounds out of those instruments? 
What's the structure? Why is it going to the chorus or the verse or back here or back there? And that part of me, well, I don't really use that much anymore. I don't really analyze music very much anymore. There was a time where that was all I would do. Or at least, more accurately, there was a time when I was afraid that that was all I was doing. Because I was building an understanding, I was building a knowledge of music through analysis. But I think even then I never lost sight of the magic. I never lost sight of the feeling that was beyond words. When I listen to music, it's emotional. When I listen to music, I really feel like something is being expressed which can't be expressed in words. When I listen to music, I sometimes wonder what other people would think if they heard it. And what I think when I listen to music is, well, I think it's amazing. I think it's great. I think it's something that's, well, it's quite astonishing, really. Like, how can there be this thing that is such a draw, such an attraction, and so easily accessible? And music is this big thing. It's almost like a, if we could say like a supernova. If we could imagine like a bright, a bright star. But instead of burning outwards, it's like a sucking inwards. It's like a drawing towards it. So we have the brightness of a supernova with the gravitational pull of a black hole. And we get close to what it's like to experience music and to have music in, in one's life. And for so long, that was the biggest draw in my life. That was the biggest pull. And I found out later, well, that was just a, <laughs> that was a, just a step. That was just an, an indication of something even bigger. <laughs> my God, how things turned out. And I also have sort of contemplation side of me which is trying to make sense of music in a philosophical way it's not so much poetic or an explanation it's more like what is music philosophically speaking we can say experientially what it is we can say scientifically in an empirical, hard sciences sort of way, we can say what it is. But philosophically, that's different. What is music? 
Well, it's magic. It's a yearning for the beyond. And music is everywhere. And this whole universe is music. One song, universe. And we can inquire with contemplation into the boundary between a formal music or what we might at this stage call conventional music and the music of the universe, the sound of ambience, the harmony and rhythm of motion, the flowing and structure of feelings, the dissolving of metaphors into actualities, the use of poetry with a tangible, real, down-to-earth component to it. Music can be a lifestyle. Music can be a career. Music can be a passion. And so often (laughs) those three things of lifestyle, career and passion don't overlap. And it feels like music is giving to me. It's never felt like I've done certain practices or things which have earned me my relationship with music. Even though in some ways I have done those things which have changed my relationship with music such as concentration, such as listening deeply, listening attentively, and using the analytical mind when listening to music, that can lead to things. But really, I felt the music was a gift. Music was something that just happens to me. And I don't know why it is that I enjoy the music that I do, really, when I look at it. And that's something that's something that happens when I listen to music. I ask I mean I mean sometimes I have a philosophical answer for it, but then other times I just say, Why? Like what is it? Why is that so good? Why does it feel this way? Why, why, why? And I just listen to it over and over. Some songs I just listen on repeat over and over again. Or even sometimes just a a snippet of a song, just a part of the song. And I just think, why, why, why? What is in that? And I try to analyze it or I try and scan my body or I contemplate or I do poetry or whatever. But it's really quite useless. When I listen to music, I look at the person who's making that music and I think that's cool. 
That's really cool. That is some good work. Nice work. Really nice work. And I look at the people that make the music that I like or the musicians in the bands that I like and I just have I have nothing but this profound admiration. Just a deep admiration. Because of course I know so much about music. I know enough that can tell me, well, this person has worked very hard. This person has refined this craft. This person has worked it out. This person has done the practice, done this, done that. Had the lessons, done the repetitions, done the training. And it's tedious work. And really, that's sort of an afterthought. Like the real, the real first impression is the thing that counts. The real, the, the actual moment of music being made going into the senses both visual and audio. So when I see a musician making music, I think, wow, that's incredible. And, and there's a whole bunch of terms, depending on which music circle you are in or which community or circle of friends you're in, there's a term. What do we used to call it? Something like throwing down. If a musician really throws it down, they're throwing it down or, or laying it down, then they're really just letting every part of them come out in a full, total expression. And the complete experience is everywhere, in every way. And there's no way that anyone can say anything there's no way that we can have a conversation about it. There's no way we can even write poetry about it. And I think these are some incredible human beings. Mus musicians really are an incredible breed. Because they're dedicated. They've done the work. And I assume that they experience the magic more so than I do as a listener. When a musician makes music, I assume they're experiencing something much deeper than I am experiencing as I listen to it. And there are always exceptions to the rule. Of course, I don't want to make it out that I'm always having my mind blown every time I put on music. Of course, there are moments of boredom or moments of apathy. And still part of me thinks that's not entirely true. There's always, there's always something good in music. There's always something of taste. But to get back to the musicians, we can only speculate so much about their interior world and how they really feel. And I remember, I mean, there are all sorts of stories that come up surrounding this. And I remember 
I remember seeing one show and I went up to the musician. I thought, wow, that was incredible. And that was so great. So nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Like just, I just had a great time, me and my friends. And then we found out later, like some weeks or go later or months later, somehow, you know, people were just talking and it turned out that that musician had been feeling like, I'm going to quit music and I'm never going to play again in my whole life. This is terrible. <laughs> it was just the complete opposite of what me and my friends had experienced. <laughs> and what I said to him, well, it didn't really have any bearing on. Like, it's not like he thought, oh, wow, now someone liked it, so I'll turn around. It wasn't like that. And I don't think he did even quit music. It was just that he was having an off night. It was just a passing passing feeling it was just a bad gig for him a bad show and maybe you know maybe 80 to 90 percent of his shows are good and he doesn't always feel like that but it's an isolated situation an isolated example where the the musician is not getting as much out of it as the audience member and really we can ask quite a lot of questions as derivatives from this central inquiry, what happens when I listen to music? Like, what does it mean to participate in music? What does it mean to listen actively? What does it mean to allow music to affect you? What does it mean to be more conscious when listening to music? What does it mean to be more aware, more receptive, more perceptive when listening to music? And I think there are two things that come from this, which is, one, music can be used as a method towards expanding awareness And two, with a richer awareness, you experience more when listening to music. And in those, both are a little bit of the chicken and the egg, the chicken or the egg kind of philosophy of which came first. And the answer is, well, do both. And, well, I have so many ideas about this. I feel like I could write a book about it. (laughs) When we combined consciousness techniques and meditation with music practice, well, there's a whole world there. And the idea of, well, there's something tricky in the idea of trying to put a psychology onto your theory of listening to music. And we can get around this by saying, okay, well, there's two types of listening to music. There's one which is just open listening. You put it on and whatever happens, happens. You can be distracted or you can have a massive realization or you can have an emotional response or you can do analytical thinking or you can do 
any number of any other things. And you just allow for any of that to happen. Or something else, which is totally new, might happen. Something completely unplanned, something that's never happened at all before, can happen. That's an open listening. And then in conjunction with that, we say, okay, now I've got a purpose-driven listening or a structured listening where we say, okay, we're going to listen to this with a specific purpose, with a specific approach, and we're going to choose either analytical mind or philosophical thinking or emotional or a meditative practice or a concentration practice. And we listen to just that. And I think it's so easy to not have those two. I mean, if you didn't make that distinction clearly between open listening and listening with a purpose, then you could just get stuck in them. You could get stuck in either one or the other. Because if you're always just listening open, you're always just allowing it to happen as it happens, well, that leaves your sense of expanding awareness to chance. And it would be very hard to see the difference between a distraction and an opening in perception. If you had that attitude. And then on the other side, well, it could be like if you're only listening with an analytical mind, or you're only listening because of you because you want the emotional kick, or you're only listening from a philosophical point of view, then you're not getting a full rich experience of it. You're not getting all everything in it. You're only getting a portion of what music has to offer. You're not allowing it to have its full effect. So I've at times made these distinctions depending on where I am because for so long I wanted to be a musician. Like a large proportion of my life was spent in music. So when I was, well, when, when I'm in that, like, wow, that's, that's a huge thing. Like, what happens when I listen to music? Well, it's tied up in my self-esteem. It's tied up into my self-image. It's tied up into what I think I'm going to do with my future. It's tied up in my community, my friendships, what people think of me, what the adults think of me. Or at least what I think I, what I think the adults think of me, not necessarily what they do actually think, <laughs> and that's half the head trip. But being a musician, well, that's a different game. That's a different like ask a musician what happens when you listen to music. And there's a well, there's a double, there's a there's a contradiction there. Because music is magic, and yet the musician's job is to re-engineer and meticulously design and translate that magic into a bland, mechanical sort of real 
method or an architecture or a design, something that can be mapped and orchestrated, really, in a tangible way. The musician's job is to reverse engineer magic, which involves turning magic into something very simple, easy to understand. Completely not magical at all. Completely without awe. Completely just so simple and almost boring. It's almost like if we, we say, what is the opposite of magic? Well, then it's boredom. Just utter boredom. Bland, tasteless, colorless, flat, simple, without depth, without complexity. And I wonder if I had have understood that as a musician, I would have, might have kept going. <laughs> I, was all, I was always much too caught up in the magic. I was always just yearning for the magic and just working towards the magic without understanding the other side of it. And of course, there's a part of me that says, you know, you can't say what if about your life. I can't say that. I mean, what if? What if I had have done this? What if I hadn't have done that? Well, the only answer to all that is, well, things would have turned out exactly how they did anyway. <laughs> so when I listen to music, I don't, I don't think, oh, I should have been a musician. That never happens. In fact, I think when I listen to music, I think I'm so glad I was a musician because it's given me such a great appreciation. And of course I say I'm not a musician because that's just it's just not tied in with my self-image. Of course I can pick up an instrument every now and then and I do pick up an instrument every now and then and I have played music since I had a long retirement in a very informal way in a very relaxed way it's not so serious now so what happens when I listen to music well I feel glad that I have a music education because it's made it so much richer I'm also glad that I have a philosophical way of thinking about music. I'm also glad that I see the connection between music and poetry. I understand expression. I celebrate expression. I feel that there's something very sincere and very important in expression. And in that sense, I'm a romanticist. I'm a I'm full of pathos. Like I love music which is very close to home with the musician performing it. When there is a musician saying something about their life or about their situation and it's very personal, it's very close to them, then I like that kind of music. And every musician that's of worth has to face that. They have to face themselves. They have to face their self-image and reconcile what that means with 
their craft. When I, when I listen to music, I feel relaxed. When I listen to music, I feel at home. I feel like I can let go of some of my worries. Like I can listen to something familiar. When I listen to music, I'm often reminded of the times when I first started listening to it. Sometimes I go back in life to the time when I first discovered it and the things that were happening there and the feelings that I had and the sort of thoughts that I had. And of course, this sometimes gets tricky when you've been listening to a certain kind of music all your life or a certain album at many times, many points in life. And sometimes, sometimes when I listen to music for nostalgic reasons, and I say, oh, I haven't listened to that in years. And then I go back and I listen to it. And then I go, ah, this is what was happening in my life. I remember those times. But then often very soon after that, <laughs> I remember why I, why I stopped listening to it. I say, I don't really like this. Yeah, those were the days. But those days are gone and they can't come back. They just can't. <laughs> There's been a couple of albums like that. I've had a lot of phases. I've sort of had like these big, like a handful of big phases, like, you know, Keith Jarrett Trio is one, and then Slipknot is another, and then like soft pop music, like Angus and Julia Stone, or mellow music is another. And they're sort of three of the big ones that keep reoccurring, you know, if we expand Slipknot into metal in general. Then they're sort of the big ones that have been going along again and again. But then I've also had these lots of little ones, like these tiny ones, where they'd be, they'd be really intense and I'd be really getting into it. Like I got into rap music and I was listening to Wu-Tang Clan and Gucci Mae and, and Eminem and D12... And these sort of, you know, mainstream rap artists. Like, I didn't, never got to the fringes of rap. But just mainstream rap. And then also it was like, who else was it? Illy? Illy and Something for Nothing. And there's a few other, like, small time. Or Hilltop Hoods. That was another one. Or Seth Sentry. He was sort of a, he, I don't know if he's rap. He's sort of like a pop. He's sort of rap. Very different to Hilltop Hoods, though. But then, like, all this, you know, I can't really go back there. I can't really listen to it. At least not at the moment. Maybe maybe in another 10 years, it'll become really nostalgic. <laughs> and then, and then, then the nostalgia will work. <laughs> and then there was another one, which was another little phase of Sticky Fingers. This is this small-time sort of reggae dub band that was famous in Australia. I mean, they're pretty famous. I don't know if we can say small time, big time. But they had this album that I was listening to because this girlfriend that I was with at the time really liked it. And I'd for somehow kept the CD and didn't listen for years. 
And then that was exactly like what I'm talking about here is exactly what happened. I put it on and I thought, ah, yes, now I remember. And then very soon after I thought, oh, this is why I don't listen to it. (laughs) And there's been a lot of little phases like that. There's been a lot. I mean, so much. I mean, if we... If we talk about the content of music, then well, we can talk for hours, we can talk for days. Like, what happens when I listen to music? Well, what music? And that sort of brings me to this thing, which is different music triggers different things, but there's also something which occurs with all music. There's a general magic, as well as an incidental charm. There's a beauty in the uniqueness of a musician's music. And there's also the beauty in the fact that it's just music. There's beauty in all music. And it's very hard to say how we could really bring those two into a clear understanding. Because I could say, well, well, here's the theory, right? You say, you say, what do you like about this music? And I say, well, I like this, and I like this, and I like this. And then you say, well, Could you say that about another style of music or another type of music? And then I'd say, well, some of those apply and some of those don't. And then you could say, well, actually, there's some things that, well, there's some people that would apply those things to different music. Which is a roundabout way of saying music is personal. I remember there's a there was a jazz article about John Coltrane where they were reviewing John Coltrane in the 60s and he was just you know this was his period of total explosion complete just so much innovation in that he was really becoming the icon that he is now and the article said something about how There's this whole long list of why people love John Coltrane and his music. And there's this whole long list also about why these people hate it. And it's really quite controversial. And they say it's terrible. And somehow, both those lists are the same. (laughs) They're the same things. And actually, I had a moment of that once when I was listening to... Oh, yeah, now I remember. So I was listening to this Tim Byrne album. It's called Hard Cell. So Tim Byrne is a eccentric American jazz alto saxophonist. And my friend had also heard this album. And I loved it, and he hated it. And he said, and I, and I said, well, why don't you like it? I think it's great. And he said, well, well every track just sounds the same. They all start in the same place. And I said, yeah, that's why I love it. (laughs) So the exact same thing of 
this John Coltrane critic, happened between me and my friend. And I like that album because it's like a suite of pieces. It's like they all follow on to each other. And they're also somehow connected because they're so similar. They are, they are quite similar in motivic content, but they are also different. And listening it through, there's something, there's something different each track, like different but the same. And maybe for my friend, he thought, well, this is boring. They all sound the same. But that's just another example of how, how different it is for each of us to listen to music. What happens when I listen to music? I feel determined. I feel motivated. Oh, here's a good answer. What happens when I listen to music? I feel like singing along. Or I do sing along. <laughs> There's something in me that wants to act what I'm hearing. Or I, if it's a sort of dance, when I, when I listen to music, that's a good one. I feel like dancing. But not so much, not so much dancing in, a, in the conventional sense. I sort of would say it more like, I feel like moving my body. It's not really dancing. It's sort of just a, like I might be headbanging or bouncing a fist or like what else do I do like sort of just swaying swaying from side to side is another one or just closing my eyes it's a whole bunch of bodily responses and I mean some people have dance in them very deeply you can say that there's music that's specifically designed for dance. And when I listen to that music, well, I do feel like a dance. I mean, some music is for dancing. And somehow, in a strange may way, I actually had a big phase, a new phase of music, which was propelled by dancing, because I, I got into dancing and was learning all these different dancing styles. And that sort of pushed me on to, well, how do I find music? Because I had to, I, I couldn't listen to what I was listening to anymore. I was listening to metal and high jazz and traditional jazz and bebop and these sorts of things that just, or, or even eccentric, like atonal jazz, like the Elliot Carter sort of school in an improvised sense, like, or, or then there's like also the meditation music and it's, it hasn't got a beat at all. It's just minimalistic music. And so I had all this and I was thinking, none of this works for dance. Like none of this makes me want to dance the way that I want to dance, the way that I like dancing. So I had to find new styles. I had to find new tastes. <laughs> so I expanded my music collection or my music. I expanded my music appreciation I mean, there's a difference between a music collection and a music appreciation. Like you can collect, you could collect a lot of books. Say you've got like a thousand books on your shelf. 
that's like your music collection but your music appreciation is like how many of those books can we pull down and you have like an explanation of what it's about when you first read it what it means to you how you feel about it what are some of the ideas what you disagree or agree with and all all of that like it's you you appreciate that book has made an impression on you what does it mean for that book to be a part of you and say you've got a thousand books on your shelf and you've only even read five of them <laughs> well that's the difference between a music collection and a music appreciation So all words aside, there really is, I mean, I always say this, but I'll say it again. There's something sacrilegious about trying to explain music. And every single thing that I've been saying here today can be just washed away like a, like a, like a wave going into the sand on the beach just it's just gone in a moment by putting on some music and listening to it and now what we do is we actually listen to silence so let's listen to the music of eternity (laughs) 